see you there. Something big is going on here. From hunting ghosts to Bigfoot, paranormal, UFOs, true crime, and more. We won't just be spouting articles. I was researching for your entertainment. The beginning of a new world. <laughs> the best guac you'll ever fucking eat. True story. It's basically like one day you walk outside and you see that the ants are playing with matches. This, this is, is the Black Cat Report. See you on the other side. Hello and welcome y'all to the Black Cat Report. As is tradition, we're going to jump right into the show. My name is Gil. Joining us tonight is Joey. Ew. Selena. Hello. And unfortunately, Betsabe is away on a secret mission for the pod, but she will be back soon. Um, y'all, tonight, we're going back to the roots. We're going back to the OG of cryptozoology. We're talking Bigfoot. And to help us make heads or tails of all the folklore and facts, bringing in a very special guest, Scott Tompkins, creator of the Bigfoot Mapping Project. Now, if you don't know, this is an absolutely incredible development in the world of Bigfoot research. Scott has produced not only an interactive world map where you can find, read about, and submit sightings of Bigfoot, but actually dig into and analyze the data points behind encounters. Scott, how the hell are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, by the way. I, I said thank you before the show, but I want to make sure your guests know I'm grateful to be here. So uh, <laughs> your listeners rather. And um, uh, with that introduction, I don't even know if I need to be a guest. You you hit all the high points like <laughs> right off the bat. I don't even know how I follow that. So I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Well, man, we're um, we're super stoked. Um, like I was kind of telling you before the show, um, I've had my eye on on you, on your project, on everything that you're doing um, before. Honestly, before we were a podcast, before we even settled on a name, I was keeping up on your account. and I was watching what you're doing um, as a fellow data nerd, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as a fellow uh, techie uh, and data nerd. Like I was just I was so stoked to see this. And it's um. It's such a development in the world of cryptozoology in um in phenomenon right um in in all of this i guess you could say like 14 type of like research um it's such a a development to see higher level um uh technology right and um coding and all the fun geek stuff like kind of come into the play come into the mix and instead of it just being a bunch of you know, my grandma had a sighting, my cousin had a sighting, these reports that are all very disjointed and displaced, but to actually start collecting them together and to give um, to give a ground, right, for fertile research around um, around these experiences, around these encounters. And um, that's something that got me super stoked about you. And I, I realized ahead of time, and I apologize to any, um, any listeners out there if there's anything that we talk about that's a little bit too visual. But, um, but really, yeah, I'm, I'm going to plug you a million times, but you guys got to go check out um, the Bigfoot Mapping Project. You seriously have to follow on Instagram, Google it. You're going to find it. Um, if you're anything like me or anyone like me, you're going to uh, immediately zoom into where you live and immediately just kind of like lose your breath and be like, oh, holy shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's sightings over here and I know that road and I know that place. And it's um, it's it's so cool, man. It's so cool. Well, tell us about your personal experience and what sure. started you picking up and and running with it. So um, my background is GIS, actually, Geographic Information Systems. With uh, That's my degree. 
Um, shout out to SUNY Cortland, upstate New York. And uh, <laughs> Dr. Miller's probably listening to a few of these. He's probably like, really, Scott? But uh, <laughs> GIS is um, an emerging technology, or at least it was in the early 2000s. And um, so I, I jumped into that pretty head first and really enjoyed it. And the lens that it gives uh, anybody that's educated or using that software and uh, data analysis to really look at the world, right? GIS is everywhere and everything you use. I mean, you order your DoorDash, it's GIS. You get your Google directions, GIS. You get, you know, emergency services to your house, GIS, right? So um, that's my background and my personal experience, um, which kind of married operations and my GIS background would be seismic exploration. I, I worked all over the country um, really doing geophysical exploration uh, in, in really remote parts of the U.S. looking for oil and gas. So um, I worked in West Virginia. I worked in Louisiana, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, Texas, and I did map jobs uh, all over the US. And actually now I, I map jobs all over the world and I do some data management. And um, that's what I'm focused on now, data management and cloud data, et cetera, data science and um, data analysis. So uh, while I was out in the field, I started to talk to people because we had to get permission to cross their property and do their testing. So I talked to all the landowners out there, big ranchers, uh, farmers, people that had hunting property, all, all different types of people. And one of the things that was an undercurrent uh, through our conversations, once you get to know people was, oh, you'll never, you don't want to go there in that part of the property. I saw Bigfoot there. Like you don't want to go there. Like it's dangerous, you know, <laughs> or they would tell you stories about, um, cause I'm also a hunter, right? I love to hunt and be outdoors. You probably see behind me all my, <laughs> Uh, I get one room in the house to have dead stuff and it's dead. <laughs> that's it. So you see it behind me. But um, so when I'm talking to these people, I would talk about hunting and, and learn about their properties and, and really get to know them because I lived out on these prospects, right? For years, I, I would be sometimes they're two years long and I would just come home very seldomly. So I really got to be part of the community and know people. And um, they would tell me things about the area and the history of the area and uh hunters for example would tell me you know i saw i could have sworn i saw a black this one guy in louisiana i could have sworn i saw a black bear but it was cinnamon colored and it was standing up and black bears do come in a cinnamon phase right but yeah. um and they are in louisiana but he would describe the size and he said you know it was too tall it the way it walked it was on its hind legs so um was bipedal and I really think it was Bigfoot. So I would get all these stories and I realized like, where are these stories going? They stop at me when people tell me this information I, and being a GIS nerd uh, and already making maps of the area, I was like, it would be really cool if I could put these two things together. Yeah. Crowdsourcing, which is basically what I was doing by talking to all these people that live there and making maps. And I was like, let's do, you know, it's always in the back of my mind. And then quarantine hit. And yeah. finally I had like, I had nowhere to go and I was really <laughs> bored. Right. So everything was closed. And I finally just decided I'm going to build a website. I'm going to build an app and I'm going to, I'm going to make this idea a reality. So, um, in comes Wix. Thank you, Wix, because uh, that's what the <laughs> website is built on. I'm not a coder necessarily. And, uh, I built, I did build the mobile app as well. Um, what? all through Google. Yeah. So, 
Um, it's actually, if you have patience, it's a little easier than you think. There's, everything is out there on Google or YouTube, how to do stuff. So uh, I built the mobile app with the uh, most important thing for collecting evidence is the survey, right? And so the software I use is called ArcGIS and it's through ArcGIS Online. This whole project would not be po uh, possible without Esri's software and Esri is Environmental Science Research Institute. They're the folks that are responsible for the ArcGIS software. And without ArcGIS Online, AGOL for short, this would not be possible. They have a great software called Survey123. It's like a, a module that plugs into ArcGIS Online and all the different pieces of it play nice together, right? So you can make a nice web map, embed that in your website and uh, get real nerdy. I don't know how real, <laughs> how nerdy you want me to get uh, on this podcast, but um, everything uh, that they provide gives you a nice cohesive environment to collect data and present it. If you're not necessarily a GIS developer, um, they really focus on making those tools, tools available to folks like me. I'm a I would consider myself a GIS super user, right? I know the software yeah. inside and out. I know datums and projections and how to work with GIS data, but I'm not yeah. necessarily a coder. So they they brought that stuff to the surface and made it available for folks like me to do stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So um, that's the, uh, you know, a little bit about my background. <laughs> Sorry if it's a bit long-winded, but no. uh, that's the story no, that leads fine. up to the Bigfoot mapping project. Yeah. Yes. No. And, and uh, like to kind of hop in here with a, I'm going to give them so many times, but another shout out, uh, bigfootmap.com. Like uh, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, go hit up the website. You're going to understand so much more about what we're talking about. Um, it's um, the second you start to see just the thousands and thousands of pins, every single one of them zoomable clickable you can sit there and read through the reports you can see through the dates you can get all this information about them um you're gonna be hooked like i'm, I'm just telling you right now like just if you're in a car pull your car over <laughs> pull it up don't save do it, it while as you're a tap. yeah um if it's a red light you know hey you know the unofficially yeah <laughs> whatever um but but anyways um <laughs> but like it's it's seriously it's it's insane um and you came about this so honestly Right. Like, uh, at least, you know, at least that's what I'm picking up is that like, it wasn't like, you know, hey, I was hiking in the Blue Ridge and da 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 da. And then all of a sudden, what the fuck is that? You know, it wasn't anything like that. It was, it was very much just like, just these, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? These unsolicited reports start coming in and they just start there. And I imagine like they, it seems like they started to play on your conscious like a little bit. We're like, what is well, going you start on? To, yeah. You start to realize when people are, telling you and you're not necessarily trying to pry it out of them that this is something mm -hmm. that they want to share um yeah. at least part of creating this project was realizing that there are so many reports out there that just don't go anywhere uh, necessarily yeah. in in terms of being able to be documented and analyzed um that it made sense to to build like the survey for example you're a data self-described data geek right so 100 percent, yeah uh the survey is a big part of you, you'll agree standardizing mm -hmm. data is yes. the the only way you can really truly analyze it because you have clean uh attributes right so yes you know what is the, what is the height field what is the date what is the location etc down the line all mm -hmm. these attributes you want to collect and in an anecdotal story, which while it's it's valuable and it's interesting, 
um, it's hard to analyze that when it's not parsed into, uh, you know, at, like attributes that are, are, are discrete, right? So um, that was part of understanding how data works and knowing how we can analyze it, tying a location to this anecdote, the, the story that goes along yeah. with the sighting is valuable, but tying those attributes to location along with that story. Now we can start to build patterns. We can start to look at trends. Exactly. We can start to pull out, okay, where were all, where are all the footprints in the U S found, right? Let's look where all the footprints are, or yeah. let's look yeah. at where were the, they cited, where was Bigfoot cited with young or yeah. what time of year was it? Oh, you can start to really dig into that data where if it's buried in a paragraph, it's, it's nice. It's, it's interesting, but it's yeah. hard to really go beneath the surface. Right. So that's what we're yeah. trying to do with this is create a, a, um, a, a data science focused database with clean data and, um, and, and really dig beneath the surface and start to provide insights. Right. So like you mentioned my website, the the Instagram is where I publish a lot of the maps that I make with this data. So mm -hmm. I try to take it a step beyond just putting it in the web map for people to explore the mm -hmm. web map and report their sightings is very valuable, but um, bringing insights and showing people what we can do with mm -hmm. their reports and the GIS data and all of the available environmental data, like precipitation um, summaries and uh, elevation data and karst data, et cetera, all the way down the line of environmental science data, uh, wildlife corridors, the list goes on. I could probably, mm -hmm. if you let me, I could take up the whole podcast <laughs> on this stuff. So yes, no, uh, I mean, I, I, um, I, so something that, uh, something that you learn very early on, at least in my opinion, with like, uh, with, with working with data, um, data, data is, um, you know, Data is, um, it's only as good as the questions you ask it, right? Well, what do we say? We say garbage in, garbage out, right? That's exactly. a common phrase, right? Exactly. And so if you know that you have a quality set of, of data that you're looking at, that you're analyzing, that you're processing, um, it really is kind of just, you know, what do you want to know? Like I, ha mm -hmm. I have clients, um, my own, like working in like digital marketing and SEO, um, I have clients that, you know, what, what do we do for this? What do we do for that? And I'm just like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it really comes down to what are your, what are your key points that you're trying to analyze? That's what we ask the data. And like, once you're really kind of like processing it, it is a process of asking it, which is, so important with something um, with a topic that's like Bigfoot, where there's been so much speculation and so much thought and, um, you know, there's so many um, black holes and loopholes and questions and stuff around things like Bigfoot sightings for so long. Um, but with the right set of data, you know what questions you can ask right? You know where there's questions where it's just like, this is this is stupid. This is da-da-da. This is that or the other. This is so unlikely. But you actually have a solid set to be like, okay, but this mm -hmm. theory, this belief, this XYZ actually could, there there could be answers found in the data. Right. You can you test know? those theories. Like, does this, does this hypothesis hold water, right? People exactly. say, you know, Bigfoot doesn't doesn't live near humans. And it's like, well, you know, that's not what the data says. Like 50% of the sightings are within 
the city <laughs> limits of major cities, you know, or um, mm -hmm. you can test a lot of different hypotheses. Like um, I did a map where I overlaid uh, black bear yeah. uh, habitat and range over the Bigfoot sightings at the time that I had in the database. And there is a big correlation, but then you can see an area where there are no theoretically no bears um, or at yeah. least not a population big enough to be measured. And it's like, all right, then what are people seeing here? Right. If there's an, if there, it's, it's easy to explain away. Oh, you just saw a bear. You know, there's, I think something like 30,000 black bears in Washington state yeah. alone. Right. So yeah. mm -hmm. it's easy for people to wow. say, Oh, you saw a bear, you saw a bear, you saw a moose an elk something. Um, but if you go to a place where there's hot spots outside of those ranges, you start to wonder, okay, what are, what are people seeing here? They're not likely yeah. not seeing a bear. They're not seeing an elk, you know, down in Alabama, you know? Yeah. Uh, so um, it's, it's really starts to, the, that starts to bring more questions or answers to the surface, right? More informed questions and more informed insights. What are, all right. So say you had a Bigfoot sighting, say you listen to this podcast and you're like, finally somewhere I can go. Right, mm -hmm. somewhere I can deliver uh, information to a sighting to. I'm super stoked about giving this to Scott, right? He's going to do good work with it, um, which if you have one, do that. Um, but what are the best observations people can deliver to you sure. when they're reporting um, an encounter? I'm actually going to open <clears throat> and run right through the, right through the uh, survey that I've got. Do it. And this yeah. is easy to describe, right? So I don't know that I really need to screen share, but I can I can run right down the list, which um, I mean, you would guess that since it's a mapping project, the first question I've got is about the location. <laughs> so makes sense. Uh, that's yeah. key, though. I, I, if you if you can't tie any of this information to a location and provide context around it, you can't build a fabric of you know information and, and context and insight without a location, right? So, yeah. um, mm -hmm. and a a good close location as approximate as you can get. If you can get, um, we call it ortho referencing. Like if if you're referencing the aerial photo to garner a boundary or an, uh, a location, you that's what we're doing here in the form. You can zoom in and you can either grab your GPS location from your phone and then navigate, or you can zoom in, pinch and zoom on your phone. It also works on our, on the website and just move that pin to as close as possible to where you had that uh, experience, right? Either you found a footprint, heard something, or yeah. you, you know, ha had a visual sighting. So that's the first one. Um, another key uh bit of information is when, uh, the date and time of that sighting. So, um, time of year, time, well, all those relate to, uh, animal behaviors, right? Like for example, I think, uh, the word, forgive me if I butcher this word, but the deer, for example, are crepuscular, right? They feed yeah. at dawn yep. and dusk, mm -hmm. right? So, um, now we can start to relate biological or, or animal behaviors based on time of day, time of year, if you tie the date and time correctly to, it's really important. Uh, color, you know, what color was uh, the Bigfoot that you saw? Height is very important. Um, whether that Bigfoot was male or female, if you get that close, if you don't, <laughs> uh, feel free to leave that question blank. There's some situations where I can imagine you wouldn't want to find out. Uh, 
did that Bigfoot have any young with it or was it a young Bigfoot that you saw? Um, and that's really important because then we can start to identify uh, where do those, does a species uh, breed or raise mm -hmm. their young? Some uh, Dr. Meldrum uh, hypothesizes that uh, these are solitary species animals that travel great distances, right? So do they travel yeah. to have their young? Do they not? Um, those types of insights, uh, if, and then we capture some behavior, right? Was there a vocalization? Yes or no. Did you find any footprints? Did you hear any wood knocks? And then if you can, even if you don't have a picture of Bigfoot, right? We have the, uh, ability to, to attach pictures to the sighting. So if you can attach, um, where the location was, or it's give, context to your sighting you can and you can you know start to take pictures of all right this is what it looked like on this day right mm -hmm. i'm out here here's exactly what this that it looked like when i had this experience if you're able to take pictures if you're not no big deal but that really does provide valuable information because you can see you know what what kind of foliage there was what you know what the, was there snow on the ground? Was there not? What, et cetera, right? Actually, I should add temperature now. Now that I'm thinking about that. What was the temperature? <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> that'd be a good one. Uh, <laughs> audio or video files, you can do the same thing. So if you record like a vocalization, I just added this feature actually. I thought that so was now we, we can capture um, video and audio and that'll be accessible when you click on the map as well. You can listen uh, to things that people attach. And then I've got... Um, a bunch of fields that are about a thousand characters each where you can uh, really describe your encounter. If I don't capture it in those, those yes, no fields. Uh, so you can really tell your experience as well. That's a big part of it is understanding people's experience, but pulling out and capturing those discrete analytical points uh, is really a big, big help, which is why the form is structured the way it is. And then uh, at the end of it, I just capture email. So I know if I need to follow up with someone, I can email them and say, hey, the location you uh, you submitted is set to the default location in the middle of the globe. I'm pretty sure you didn't see Bigfoot in the Sahara. Can, we, can, we, can you send me a screenshot? I'll update the location. Or if I have questions about what they've submitted, I'll follow up. But that, that email does not go anywhere else. Um, and then uh, there's a disclaimer. So if people put stuff, you know, submit things they shouldn't be, or they're vulgar or whatever, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that'll go, that'll be dealt with, but it's more a CYA. I don't want to have people abusing this, this project. So that's about the form. I think um, it'll evolve. This is something that's, you know, it's not written in stone. I can edit the questions, add more questions and uh, adjust. I'm always open to suggestions. So if I'm missing something that people think is valuable, um, I'm pretty approachable, I think. So feel free to let me know mm -hmm. if you have some, if you think this form is lacking or missing something, I'm surely open to it. I, I want to capture as much as possible. So I think, I think, I think it's awesome. Oh. You know, I, I think that you're, you're killing it with the input. I was, um, I was actually really impressed when I went across the form and I was looking at it, you know, preparing for the interview and I saw you had a specific spot for vocalizations right for for audio um you know we have the um the famous uh i want to say it's from ohio the samurai cheddar right mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. audio which like anybody in the bigfoot community is going to know about um maybe we can throw in a sample here 
of uh what that audio sounds like it's very um distinct very unique oh yeah you, you know what you're listening you know what you're hearing uh it's pretty weird actually to listen to yeah when you've heard it you're like oh i'm not going to forget this um you know um i'm walking through the woods i'm with my friends i'm on a hike and um i see something right you know i see i see what i'm um assuming the best i can at the time is a bigfoot mm -hmm. um what are the observations I should be keeping in mind? Well, first off, it's like, uh, where, right? Where, where did you see it exactly? So try to remember trail marker, what, like a, a landmark or something that's recognizable okay. that you can focus on and come back to, right? Like, because okay. in the moment, um, I've, I'll go back to something. I, I had uh, something that was quite unexplained when I was hunting in Texas recently, uh, last year, in October, um, it was difficult to keep my head. So it's easy to give advice and yeah, and, yeah, and say, yeah. oh yeah, just, you know, pick out a landmark when you're freaking out and keep your head. But, <laughs> um, if you, if you think about it and you run through it, you know, in practice, it'll, you'll be able to stay calm in a situation like that. But yeah, the first thing is pick like a, a landmark that's recognizable or a feature that's, uh, stands out to you. So you can always refer back to it. Um, and then, um, like notice, you know, go to the creature, of course, and try to observe what you can once you've uh, tied it to a, a, a physical location. All right. How tall is it? Uh, what's it, what is it doing? Um, yeah. You know, what is it, what are the features of it? What, uh, I think I said, what color is it? Um, yeah. All of those things that, that you would want to understand about uh, an animal that you're observing um, and capture. Right. So, that uh and then we ran through the form the best thing to do i would i would say is like write it down after mm. as as soon after you have this experience so you, you're not trying to recall all the time if you put it down it's it's there it's it's fresh you know right after mm. you have this experience if the, you have the ability to write it down write it down write it down and then uh you won't have to think so hard the next time it's it's all there fresh and captured and, you know, um, it, it really does help to, to put it down on paper. That's what I did when I had, I guess I've alluded to it twice, but, uh, in October I'll, I'll jump into my experience. Uh, yeah. if you guys would like to hear it, uh, yeah. I mean, we've yes, been pretty dry, so I've been pretty dry about this stuff in <laughs> data. Not everybody loves to hear, but, um, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in October last year. Uh, like I said, I like to hunt and I was out bow hunting, uh, in near Sealy, Texas. And I hadn't seen anything all night, not even a raccoon or anything, nothing, not a squirrel bird, nada. And I, um, got up, uh, after a little while after it was too dark to shoot, right. I walked out. I didn't use a flashlight. I, it was, if the moon is out it's, you're able to see the pathway well enough um, where you can walk out, it's a river bottom property and that there's a pasture that borders the, with a barbed wire fence in between. So I was walking with the barbed wire fence on my left after I had walked out of the, um, river bottom and, uh, just quietly walking. Cause you never know what you're going to encounter on your way out. And, uh, I don't want to spook deer or alert them that I'm there. So I looked off to my left and, there was like a, a shadow 
figure type blob right on the ground and it looked like there's big big hogs here in texas so i just figured oh this is a big hog um i'll let it be it's kind of just going to go on its way it doesn't know i'm here i won't bother it i just have my bow and it looks like it's 300 pounds right I, there's no way <laughs> not trying that, to shoot that with a bow yeah no way no, not, <laughs> no. and uh i wouldn't want to risk that so <laughs> no. uh i stood there for a second just kind of you know, giving it its space. And then, then it stood up. It, it stood, fuck, stood up. Right. And this, the wow. bush it was behind was at like, it's a uh, navel. So, um, I literally said out loud, I was like, Whoa, when it stood up, <laughs> that's all I could say. Like, oh my God. I mean, I just told you like, Oh, stay calm, pick a landmark. Yeah. No, notice, no that all went out, out the, the window, window. Uh, honestly. Yep. <laughs> so I don't fault anybody if they, I've been there. I was terrified because yeah. whether it was Bigfoot or a giant person, they <laughs> at that moment, it was equally as dangerous and it was confusing. Like why, what's happening yeah. here? So um, I said, I just stood there and I was like, whoa, whoa. And when I said that it, I don't know if it knew I was there or not, but it squatted back down like mm -hmm. behind, like, uh Oh, maybe he didn't see me. And um I stood there like for what felt like a few minutes, probably 10 seconds, honestly. And in the strongest voice I could muster, I, I literally was like, I, I see you. I didn't know what was happening. I was like, literally such like, an I, honest response. I was like, I, I see you. <laughs> and it stood oh back God. up. And I mean, it was, I could Whoa. see it's cupped like, you know, like it's hands like this. Right. Yeah. giant shoulders and i just put myself out of focus but um <laughs> giant shoulders like no neck it looked like it had just a everything you you hear people say like i hate that i'm repeating it because i wish yeah. i had more detail right like yeah it was just yeah. dark enough where i you couldn't like it was just a figure right so yeah do i really know if it was a bigfoot no but it terrified me either way i'll admit that like <laughs> If this was yeah. a yeah. person, it was a giant person that this, this area that I hunt is 11,000 acres. Okay. It's not my, I don't own it. It's not my, wow. I lease it. Right. So yeah, I lease yeah. 200 acres of it, but the surrounding areas, there is not, there's no houses. There's no anything. It's a, yeah. it's sparse and dark and there's no, there was no car parked anywhere. I, I would have heard this person come in. I would have seen them. So I was like, Okay, number one, that thing snuck up on me. Uh, number two, uh, it's big. It was big. I thought initially, I thought it was a three hundred pound hog. So when it stood up, uh, those proportions, you know, the weight stayed the same, but it was proportioned as a large person or Bigfoot, uh, and it was just intimidating. So uh, I said, like I said, I, I said, I see you, and um, it stood there for probably another second or so and then turned and ran ran into the thick of the woods i mean and there's uh, i've said this before to people everything in texas is pointy like when you're running yeah. through <laughs> there's no way that you're not getting stuck with thorns i get them through my pants all the time I have brush pants they still go through and yeah at the rate this thing was running through thick unlit overgrown woods yeah 
there's no way a person could do that without getting hurt or or cutting like just falling or it would not be a reaction no no this was and it was about 30 yards away and my truck it was about 30 yards away so it was one of those like well <laughs> what man I, I hope he doesn't run towards me because i have nowhere to go there's an open pasture or run back into a dark river bottom it did not seem like uh, shit, man. a good situation but um yeah so that's that's uh, i guess when you're asking people you know what should they do it's like <laughs> it's hard it's hard for me to give advice and not feel hypocritical because i did none of that i i really yeah. tried but um i did write it down i did write it down that's why i Hell said yeah. that so um but yeah i did not i i wasn't like what color is that never crossed my mind i was like this <laughs> this is dangerous i'm in danger so yeah. um and i i you know i mean I had to a- be fair to be fair it could have just been pooping you know it's like <laughs> it was just squatting down pooping well, in that case like man, it, it here it hears something like come up and then it's like you know it's not trying to move and then you're like hey i see you and it's like man i'm just trying to poop here you know <laughs> can, can you leave I me mean, alone yeah and you're just like looking at like how would you react if someone was looking at you while you're you're pooping yeah you know? i would probably like, run well, away. i guess i gotta go yeah yeah, yeah. definitely no guy with 200 contact. acres a lot less peacefully yeah so (laughs) i didn't think of that possibility (laughs) i'm glad this moment has you know brought me here to to bring up that possibility (laughs) uh but uh yeah we're here uh, here to help ease traumas that's right we just we just you know it's funny how some conversations just naturally devolve right oh no oh no (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so that's it's um it's hard to describe that to people and like yeah sure the bigfoot guy mapping project had something unexplainable like literally a few months after uh website went live Mm, what a coincidence you know but um i'll tell you i I wish i wish i could have got more details right because it was it is certainly unexplainable but i claim it's 100 percent of bigfoot i can't but Uh, it is certainly um, something that's unexplainable, and it, it, I, I wish more. Pe- I wish somebody was there with me, right, to to have experienced that. I count myself as lucky. Yes. Uh, a that it wasn't a crazy serial killer person out there, and <laughs> B that uh, if it was a Bigfoot, that I got to see it. So. Thank you for listening to the Black Cat Report and our interview with Scott Tompkins of the Bigfoot Mapping Project. You can follow the project on Instagram at Bigfoot Mapping Project or go to the website BigfootMap.com. Always remember to like, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's continue to cast this pod. There's something with like um, with sightings, right? So when like uh, at least in my uh, my opinion, like with the human mind, when you have a sighting or an experience with something that just kind of um, let me just say like doesn't fit the index of what's expected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we shut down, and like even our basic our basic functions, our basic identifications, like they go out the window right. so fast as we kind of try to recalibrate just what the hell gravity is like just what the hell like where our feet are at you know um 
uh, UFO sighting. Um, three of the four members of this podcast, including two other folks. And uh, to kind of rack that up, we had um, uh, two videographers, two photographers, and one of them included just got back from a uh, 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 tour of duty with the Air Force. Um, we all witnessed a UFO on New Year's Eve of 2020 the best cap off of 2020 that fucked up year that you could imagine (laughs) literally one of us was talking about a ufo documentary and a ufo appeared in the sky right daylight distance right yeah and we all watch it and with all these videographers and photographers all there um not one of us pulled out our phones not one of us took a photo we all froze and we were just like what the hell are we looking at then it disappeared and then about a minute and a half later, after we all started being like, what the hell was that? Oh, my God. Right. It reappeared. And oh, we wow. still didn't take a photo. <laughs> of it. You know, we were all it's, just like, uh, like you're frozen. You're completely it's, frozen. It's very easy to armchair quarterback that kind of experience 100%. until you're caught in a bit of adrenaline, a bit of fear. Um, your body has those systems for a reason and they call it fight or flight. Right. So, yeah, you know, and people freeze. That's what you do. And your instinct is not to sit there and take pictures. If you feel like you're in an unfamiliar, potentially dangerous situation, you're either most people's instinct now, or including mine is to run away from something like that's bigger than them, or that seems dangerous if you have the ability to. So yeah, you're not, I'm not going to, it's hard to, uh, combat that instinct it's built into our dna right it's you know we've had that instinct has kept us running as humans for millennia and then you know we just got our cell phone everybody has a cell phone with a phone on a (laughs) camera on it now but that if cavemen were doing that with saber-toothed tigers there'd be a lot less of us (laughs) so like you know it's hard it's hard to uh have that situational awareness it takes practice and um you know, that's like I said, I'm a hunter. I've been in the wilderness and I froze. I froze. I hundred percent. The only thing I could think to say is I see you like, like I was a five-year-old playing. <laughs> that was pretty, seat. you know, that was like, pretty ballsy. <laughs> well, I'm glad you describe it that way. A lot of people have told me it was pretty stupid. So <laughs> I would, I mean, I probably would have reacted the same way just because it's, a, I don't know. I'm awkward. Oh yeah, and I would probably be like, "Hey, I see you. Like, what are you doing? Are you gonna kill me or not?" <laughs> like, let's get this over with. Like, yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm like, please I'm, don't hide. You're making it way creepier than it should be. Same. I'm a I'm a pretty awkward person. If you can't tell, I mean, I love to stay behind the maps and the data. And uh, <laughs> my first instinct, like you said, was like, "Hey, I see you." And uh, it's like I felt like I don't know if you watched that show uh, way back when on um, MTV. What's her name? Uh, Daria. And she, she, yes. A Daria moment right there. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to, to legitimize that, like, you know, it's way less scary when you're like, oh, I see you. And like, you know, if someone's trying to hide from you and they're stalking you, like yeah. they feel like they can get much more of a jump on you. So I feel like if you're seeing something and they're stalking you and you're like, Hey, I see you, you know, if it's a serial killer or something like that, you're pretty much like, Hey, you, you, you're not going to jump. I'm ready. I'm ready for you. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's going to be a fight. And (laughs) and 
from like listening to a lot of serial killers, they didn't really want fights. You know, they just yeah. wanted to kill quick or you know get rid of them quick or catch them quick. So it's like, hey, I'm ready. Like you're gonna have a hard time catching me. Either I'm gonna a run or a I'm ready to fight. You know, so you, you've kind of got the jump on them. So like that's, that's a it's a super valid way to to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, and if it were a Bigfoot, right? They like to um, observe on that. They like to observe from a, a vantage point where you don't know where they are. And if they're intelligent enough to read our body language or even understand our language or understand that I wasn't necessarily going to move um, or that they've been busted, right? Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. They, it made sense that it would turn tail and run. So um, mm-hmm. I would, I think I'd rather it be a Bigfoot than a serial killer, honestly. So, <laughs> uh, and for a lot of 100%. reasons. But uh, yeah, so sorry to go down that rabbit trail, but I thought it was worth no. sharing because I've, I don't want to be hypocritical when I'm telling people, you know, stay calm, ob- observe, pick a, no. pick a feature, you know, remember every detail. I sure, <laughs> when I sure as heck didn't do that, right? I couldn't do that. Yeah. So and- I don't want to sit here and on my throne of lies and tell everyone to, <laughs> <laughs> that- to be perfect, right? And I, I, I kind of, I kind of asked that question, um, not because I don't expect folks to go into shock, right? Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, these questions are for folks that haven't had experiences, right? right? So, so if you're sitting at home, you're at work, you're wherever you're listening to this, um, internalize some of these um, valued points of information and kind of take them in so that if you are hiking this weekend, right, if you're if you're on a road trip out to go camping this weekend, if you're in a situation where there uh, is a higher than usual likelihood, which we will get into um, a chance of encountering a Bigfoot, right? Um, have some of these things in mind. So when you do go back and you do write these things down in your journal or on that, you know, receipt tape that you have from the store just before you left with all of your groceries and stuff for this trip, but whatever you're doing, um, keep some of these notes in mind, you know, um, and no fault if you don't <laughs> collect this info, but if you can prepare yourself, this is what's useful if you're going to be dropping information about a sighting, right? This is this is some of the fruit that goes with it. All of it's going to be useful, but some of it is really going to be the uh, the cherry on top of like helping with um, with a mapping project with with getting this information out there without with studying it. And the more that we become, uh, let me say, desensitized to expectations, the more that we can observe at the point of encounters. That's that's my feelings on it. It's yeah, my that's two a cents. great point. I think, yeah, you touched on a great, a great point there. Where if you can um, keep your head in the moment, you are less likely to introduce bias into your experience, right? So, um, mm-hmm. the more level-headed you can stay, the more observant you are, um, the less bias you're going to have by trying to explain what you saw when you can just recall what you saw. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to do. Uh, that's why you know. <laughs> eyewitnesses are notoriously unreliable. You ask, you know, five (laughs) people that saw the same thing happen, you're going to get five different stories, right? So um, it's hard to do to be a a very good observer. But uh, the good news is you can get better with practice. And um, 
the more you practice, the less you're going to give into that shock or that initial fear or that instinct to freeze, because now you've got a plan, right? You've got a way to react that you've gone through and might be fresh in your mind. So yeah, I, I, I try to follow that advice. Um, I still freeze when I see a big buck. I'm like, Oh man, uh, Oh, I should, I should pull up my rifle, but you know, by the time I think about it, that is gone. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to do. It is hard to do. What is your theory on which branch of the evolutionary tree these animals, creatures, beings come from? And do you think they're related to Yeti? That's a really good question. I I do think there are subspecies of what we would call as Bigfoot, right? Um, which occurs normally through nature anyway, right? So we've got uh, a good example would be like chimpanzees. We've got bonobos and chimpanzees and their behaviors are different. Um, we've got different types of gorillas and primates, et cetera, even other species, birds, for example, uh, different finches evolve depending on their environment. Mm -hmm. It's like, so um, to get back to answering your question, I think that yes, they are all subspecies of, for lack of a better term, Bigfoot. And I do think a Yeti, for example, would be related to Bigfoot here in North America. And I, I did a map that um, called the primate zone. And I analyzed the, the latitudes by which primates occur in the globe. So you can see that uh, North America, for example, is what is really the only continent without a primate, a recognized primate above mm. Central America, right on the continent, but the, it is very possible for primate species to occur. So um, on the evolutionary tree, uh, I would say, I think they're closer to humans. I really do okay. because the level of intelligence and the ability for, although chimpanzees are extremely intelligent, I, I would say that the ability for Bigfoot to elude our technology um, and out, outsmart people for lack of a better description, they've got to have really exceedingly larger brains than than like a, a chimpanzee they've got to be closer to humans because they're so evidently smart so adaptable um and they just understand so much about their environment to remain elusive like that i, I really think i'm not an anthropologist or anything like that but um so i can't throw a latin term at you and i wouldn't pretend yeah, to no, you're fine but i think they're very very close to uh to humans like just just like just so close um that they're that, that makes they're, sense it it's the only way i can rec you know rectify it and understand it myself because if you're out there in a place where uh chimpanzees or apes occur that they're they're obviously there they make themselves obvious mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. or at least you can find them pretty easily so something to be either the population is so low or that, or that they're that intelligent that they can avoid us like they have forever. Um, it's gotta be something close to a human. Gotta be. I will a hundred percent say that, you know, more about Bigfoot literally running the Bigfoot mapping project than I do. Um, so, <laughs> so, and, 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 you know, I'll venture to say most of our listeners, you know, so like it, it, it kind of pulls back to like, you read a lot more of this than we do. Right. So your speculation in my mind, 
um, it means more. It doesn't mean that it couldn't be more right or more this or more that, but it does mean that it's more founded in God. I've reread that same thing 27 times, you know? Right. And I've, I've and, seen examples of, of things like, um, I get to talk, I'm lucky enough to get to speak to people that are, um, prominent in, 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 in the fact that they have, uh, voices and platforms where they're um, they get a lot of evidence submitted or they get to speak to a lot of people and I get to hear their opinions and kind of uh, integrate that through osmosis really um, into my perspective so my opinion is really always evolving I don't have an agenda with the Bigfoot mapping project other than collecting enough information to where I can really form an opinion based on the data. Like you were saying earlier, the data tells you. So I'm not coming into this trying to tell people where to put reports or what to say in the reports. Uh, I really am very curious to see out of a genuine curiosity what the data points us towards. And based on the reports I read, uh, I can hopefully in the future ask, or answer Selena's question much better than I did before. But like, I I think the data will really start to shed light on behavior and intelligence. And and we can start to classify and study this uh, animal much in a much more structured scientific way. Uh, That's what I'm aiming for. So um, I don't like to speculate, but uh, Based on what I've read, I, I do think, uh, in a long-winded answer, I, I do think they're very, very close to humans. I wanted to ask, because um, you kind of said you ha- you know hotspots, where is the highest like sighting region, would you say? I'll, and is it like worldwide or is it specific to North America? So I'm glad you asked it that way. Um, really, there's the most the database it has the most entries in North America. Um, it's such a phenomenon in North America to um, whether people want to see Bigfoot or they're just swept up in it. But um, you, you can just see when you look at the map, there's so many more thousands more reports in North America than uh, anywhere else. But I will say um, outside of North America, Canada, it has a lot of reports as well. It's very big in Canada. I'm coordinating with somebody right now who has a Canadian database. And when uh, that gets published to the map, hopefully, hopefully we can uh, figure (laughs) out a way to make, get it into the map and into the database. There are so many sightings. So um, I'll give you one guess to where the most, the highest concentration of sightings are uh, in the U S it it is in the U S for sure. Um, Mm. Jeopardy music. Mm. It's a big Northwest. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, uh, (laughs) it's such a big part of (laughs) it's the basis of the folklore. Yeah, it's a hundred percent in the Pacific Northwest. But there are um, there's a big concentration in uh, Central Florida, a huge hotspot there near Ocala. So it's um, it's very interesting. Lived in Florida. uh, Lived in Tampa for a number of years. Um, I, uh, flipped my wig. Let me put it that way. When I saw, uh, sightings from the sixties, 
mm-hmm. in Miami. Yeah, well, what? Miami wasn't always as built up as I, it is. Totally, right? totally. And if mm-hmm. if anybody out there, if you are Scott, uh, a Marx Brothers fan, you know, um, you know, like from film footage, uh, Florida used to be so 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 rural it used to just be mosquitoes and every now and then some lumber for some houses like it was nothing and like and that was so recent like it was so recent miami's very Um, recently built up right Uh, and but relatively but like i i think i uh if i recall correctly 1965 Mm -hmm. there was a sighting in miami Mm -hmm. it's insane it's absolutely insane to me wow. where I was just, and no doubt on it. Just like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> like, there's some counterintuitive like there's stuff. I'm glad you bring it up. Um, there's there are sightings where you're like, uh, all right, this is a bit of a stretch. But now that that goes to um, the data analysis side of it, stuff like that, we'll call them outliers, right? Whether yeah. they happened or not, they're still an outlier. So yeah. we're, those are going to fall out of the data set. And unfortunately, some of the outliers are real behaviors, but they don't happen with enough occurrences to be a main part of the meat of what we're going to find, right? So you're going to have like a bell curve of of, uh, data, right? So you're going to have outlier in the negative area, then you're going to have the bulk of behaviors that really coalesce, and then you're going to have the the outliers in the positive area and um, those those outliers a few standard deviate standard deviations out are going to fall away right and then you're really going to have that that consistent prediction predictive model right uh, based on what people have submitted and um, I think that's a good thing but also if that sighting in Miami really did happen we may lose um, that information just through the way we're going to analyze the data because it doesn't necessarily fall into standard behavior for a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch. Um, so yeah, but it's a, it's an interesting way to look at the data. But honestly, the way that you're, you're taking in the data, and I know we have um, a few questions about that, but the way you're taking in the data, you're not, um, you're not gatekeeping. Nope. You know, and you very much are just like open to the, the sources, the reports, the, the process that, whatever the hell it happens to be, you're very much open to just being like, hey, did you see something? What was it? Here's our form. And um, you have to trust the process. If I was, <clears throat> if I didn't trust the process, um, as far as like big data principles go, um, and I was curating the data set more. Now, don't get me wrong. I do move. I do remove obvious trolls um, <laughs> because trust me, they're yeah. identifiable that it's obviously a troll. But other than that, um, I think there's value in capturing what may be real reports. Um, people are people describe things in different ways. They have different abilities with, you know, writing their. Some people love to write their uh, encounters down. Some people would rather just put a location and check some boxes. So this platform hopefully opens it up to people that would otherwise, like you're saying, m- might not share in any other way mm-hmm. they can stay anonymous if they like they can put their name in their encounter i don't whatever you want to put in there and share um but yeah this this way uh everything that sh- is if you feel it's a valid experience it'll come into the data set but it may fall out through analysis right so 
Um, and that's what I, I hope happens is we get enough data and a big enough data set where we can really see the obvious. It's going to be obvious when you look at it, right? When you classify yeah. things and analyze it in certain ways that these patterns are going to come through regardless of whether there's 100% accuracy in some of the outliers. It's just, just, it's, it's just part of the process, right? And you have to trust that. Yeah. So, um, how, like, what percentage of the entries would you say are like fabricated or like trolls? Actually, surprisingly few. Um, oh. I'm pleasantly surprised uh, and happy to be able to say that. Um, when I made the form public and it was on a Bigfoot website, I knew, or at least I thought I knew, I was really opening myself up to a lot of trolls. And um, like I said, the ones that are trolls, you can tell um, almost immediately by just what they write or um, just there's some characteristics, right? They, they tend to go down roads that where you're like, yep, this is a troll. Let me delete that. But mm-hmm. um, most of the time, I would say 95, 96, 97, high 90% of the reports I'm getting ring true. Um so, I mean, it's, it's, I'm pleasantly surprised. And I think one reason for that is the form, you have to be looking for uh, the form. You have to go click on it and find it. And it's not buried by any means, but you have to be looking for the website and have a mission. I'm going to go click on this form and submit it. So you have to be a dedicated troll. It's not just a post <laughs> yeah. on a form somewhere. You actually yeah. have to take some action. So I think that I, I think it's okay to say trolls are most likely lazy people and they don't go too far. So, <laughs> um, and then I think in the app, the mobile app, it is uh, it, because it was going to be in a different platform and reach so many people potentially. Um, and to keep the lights on the Bigfoot mapping project, it is $2. So it's $1.99. And I think that unintended uh, consequence of that paywall, if you will, is that it keeps trolls from just downloading the app for free and putting stuff in there. You have to want to participate, right? You have to want to look at the map. You have to be interested enough to spend $1.99 to be using the app. And um, I think that is a great way to filter out people that would otherwise uh, submit things that aren't necessarily reliable. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think so too. Um, have you noticed any correlations in sightings like um, time of day, seasons, like weather? Yeah, actually, um, I've made a few maps, so it's hard to summarize all that in uh, in in, in a one paragraph. But uh, short <laughs> yeah. answer, yes, there are a lot of correlations. Um, one big one would be seasons. So you can start to see... Um, the concentration of sightings throughout the country on a high level, you can start to see, uh, for example, in summer, the sightings are more um, spread out, right? There, are, I think I'd have to look, actually, let me look at the map so I'm not lying to you. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember, I made that map so long ago. Um, <laughs> it was one of the first maps I made because it was a big question that people had. And uh, all these maps I'm describing, by the way, are on Instagram, so, um, I go while I'm scrolling, I'll fill the, fill the void with justifying why I don't post every day, but, um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't post every day because two reasons. One, it takes a lot of time to make these maps sometimes. 
And two, if I don't have an idea that I feel is going to be uh, like constructive, I, I don't post just to post. I, I think it's more valuable to post uh, infrequently and have something to say than just post for volume. So, um, y'all, that's uh, Instagram Bigfoot Mapping Project. One word. Go follow it right now while you're waiting for more content from this podcast. Seriously. Oh, man. It's almost like we it's planned that. <laughs> you got this seriously though like it's good <laughs> do yourself you. a favor don't act like you vet everybody you follow you don't go go <laughs> follow this this account right now you'll appreciate it later so uh, now that i'm looking at the map um i had it reversed winter you can see that uh the populations and the sightings are more spread out so it, it would make sense like they're looking for they got to forage more for food uh, they might need to go further to find that food and uh, resources are less available during the winter months. Yeah. Um, spring, you can start to see them come together, which would make sense, right? They've got to likely it's when they reproduce, start to reproduce mate. Uh, and then summer, they're very concentrated, just like any other mammal uh, deer. That's when they raise their young. Uh, and then in fall, you start to see that that spread back out, right? Because that's now They've got to get more food, get ready for winter, just like any other big mammal in the U.S., right, in North America. And this map focuses on North America. That's why I'm spe specifically referring to that. But uh, for those that aren't seeing the map, I, I have to remember um, <laughs> to describe what I'm talking about. But, yeah, so you can start to see those patterns of behavior. And um, as this is at a high level for the whole country. But I'm sure yeah. you could relate this down to uh, perhaps state level, county level, et cetera. But I decided for this analysis to go on the country level because that's where I had the most data. And a lot of the maps that I make are at the country level um, because there's really good national data sets that um, really you can tie good data to each, each point. So time of day, uh, a lot of the sightings happen dusk and, and nighttime. Um, okay. It's, it's, I think, that's twofold. One, like I was saying earlier, um, maybe the creature is cre crepuscular. So uh, dawn, dusk, dark times, um, daylight sightings for anything that's uh, want wanting to avoid humans are very unlikely. I mean, I, I think I've said this before to other people, but the Texas, I'll use this as an example, is overrun with wild boar, wild hogs. Yeah, I challenge you to find one in the daytime go find it like good luck so <laughs> yeah. um so i mean that's just the point i i think that that's just natural behavior for something that wants to avoid humans is to be nocturnal or crepuscular or be more active at night right mm -hmm. uh, or in the dark um, when we're mm -hmm. less adapted to um to yeah. be or less active too right there's mm -hmm. less people out in the middle of the night um, unless you're a Bigfoot researcher, then most people are just out <laughs> hooting and hollering in the shine, wilderness. Baby. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, and then um, I think so. We talked about seasonal behavior, uh, daytime behavior, and then um, one I'll touch on some other correlations is uh, forest type, right? Like where do these creatures yes. live? So, yes. um, it's really interesting. Uh, forest type and elevation are a big. Um, I mean, you can throw elevation somewhat out the window because Florida is pretty much at sea level and there's a ton of sightings there, but, yes, um, yep, yeah. there are, uh, so maybe that goes back to your 
your question earlier about where I said there could be subspecies, right? Skunk ape might yes. be a species that's more adapted to swampy, moist, uh, wet climate, um, which, I mean, Florida gets how much precipitation, right, uh, throughout the year. Way too much, yeah. And then you've got <laughs> something like, right, and then you've got something <laughs> like the Pacific Northwest where they're generally seen in the mountains at higher elevations um, away from people. So, uh, and if you look at uh, any any of the maps, you'll look at the middle of the country, which is um, generally divided by the Rocky Mountains, right? And you see the middle of the country really doesn't have a ton of sightings comparatively to like the East Coast and the Pacific Northwest. It doesn't have the volume of sightings. There are still sightings. But uh, I think you could point to perhaps to a few different species like that dominate the Northeast and like the Appalachians and the and those mountain ranges. And you've got Florida, Pacific Northwest, and you've got um, different behaviors in Texas. So um, I think there could be a few subspecies throughout the U.S. Um, based on sightings, uh, concentration, and different behaviors and different availability uh, going back to uh, like uh, the, the types of forest they live in and what what's available there for food and cover and things like that. There's a lot to analyze when you're talking about. And it's a lot of speculation. It's a lot of hypothesis, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like um, speculation is always a funny point for me because it's like um, everybody's always like gun shy. Right. Mm-hmm. When it mm-hmm. comes to like, well, I'm no expert because nobody's an expert. It's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. like, let's be honest, bro. You spend more time learning about it than I do. So well, I just science wanted... <laughs> too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Science starts with a question. It's just a, exactly. how you go about validating or finding the exactly. answer to that question. If you, if you don't introduce bias and you follow, you know, experiments that are structured and you can repeat the examples that is science right yes. regardless of what the answer is you get you as long as you can repeat it and verify that answer then Boom. that's the answer right Every so yeah. uh, now if i if i was sitting here telling you you know some my opinion and just using everything every report to support my opinion that i've Ooh. then i've introduced bias and that's not science right so which which <laughs> so to move on to the bias portion um <laughs> but, but but no honestly it's like your bias is inherently and i'm not gonna say you know like uh put you on a cross or not when it comes to this but your bias inherently will be more informed than my bias because you have recorded analyzed studied looked at um processed thought about whatever the hell terms you want to use more encounters more experiences than i have that's just a fact Mm -hmm. you know like even if you weren't trying to analyze it from a scientific uh level um yeah you've paid more attention to it than i have so so to kind of like hop into that Mm -hmm. um you know like where i guess this is a broad sweeping broad sweeping question uh where are your thoughts at around bigfoot around yeti around sasquatch around um yari around you know like let's go down the list of names because name a continent and yeti mythology exists there including Mm -hmm. antarctica um there is always 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 you can only you only have to dig back 10 years i promise you 
and you will find plenty of reports of people um, claiming they have spotted, seen, experienced, encountered, whatever terminology, um, a Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. As somebody who has um, literally mapped the phenomenon, (laughs) um, (laughs) what are your thoughts? Like, honestly, man, like at the end of the day, when you uh, when you finally get that thought that you can hold when you go to sleep at night, what mm. is your thought <laughs> on it? That is a broad question. Um, yeah. So... Give it to us, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, you're just letting me go anywhere with this. Uh, please, please. A lot of trust, but uh, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> uh, I, I would have to start with um, things I've learned um, from other people when we kind of have this a similar philosophical debate, if you will, about the existence of Bigfoot and uh, the validity behind even starting down this road to do this project. Um, One of the things I've recently learned was that, uh, you know, like you said, throughout history, native peoples of practically every continent have accounts, petroglyphs, stories, mythology, etc. about a creature or being similar to Bigfoot. So that common foundation has to come from somewhere. And I think building on that, um, it kind of, that reflects that undercurrent of, uh, that I described earlier, where I was talking to people that live throughout the continent and they're telling me their stories, right? So it's a, a nice parallel of history essentially repeating itself, right? These these native peoples encountered a creature that they couldn't understand or they did understand, or they, they described as, you know, Bigfoot, Yeti, it's Sasquatch, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then in modern times, you know, fast forward all the way till today. And I'm out there doing my thing working and I'm learning about all of the experiences that people are having that live in those same areas. And they're describing something that has been described in petroglyphs drawn on clay, cave walls, yeah. etc. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. that has to that has to have a foundation somewhere. It has to be rooted somewhere in reality, right? There's those every they're seeing something, and both of those populations, modern and past civilizations, have have experienced and they're experts where they live. They've spent their entire lives there. They know everything that that lives there. So for somebody like that to describe Bigfoot, uh, it has to carry some weight. And uh, you can't just dismiss the, I think there's 8,000 sightings in the database right now um, on the website. You can't dismiss everything in that database as as just a misidentification or a fabrication, right? So bringing that into my hypothesis and really building the project, I was like, all right, let's let's build on these stories and use data to support that and either refute and disprove or bring in other possibilities and, or, or prove, hopefully prove, right. Uh, I'm optimistic, but I am letting the data take me where it takes me, but I'm still optimistic. Um, (laughs) And one example I'll go to. So uh, the, there's a, Bigfoot's hubs and highways that I uh, map I made of Florida. We're focusing on Florida a lot today. Um, the Southeast <laughs> where there's um, 
these hubs and corridors between a hub would be like a big wildlife conservation value area where there's a lot of biomass that animals are just living there. It can support populations of deer, et cetera, um, consistently, uh, permanently. And then there's these highways in between. And when you overlay that on the Southeast, a map of the Southeast, and then you coalesce the sightings and you pull out the ones that intersect with these hubs and highways, you can see that there's just, it's not, there, there, there's a pattern there. There's a verified pattern and they, it, that, that animal is using the same highway system that all of the wildlife uses in that area, right? So for me, it's, um, I guess, as I get more data and, and do more analysis, I, I start to believe more. I'm more confident in saying that this is a real animal. It's not, not something that it's an apparition or it's not a made up mythology, mythological animal being, et cetera. I really start to lean more and more with the more uh, information that I gather to, to accepting that this is just something that's undiscovered. Um, and we have so much more to learn about it, but I am a believer. I mean, I guess if that's what you're uh, question you kind of let it let me go with it where i want it but uh um, yeah. but uh i'm glad you did because uh the more factual information and the more data i put behind and associate to those sightings and enrich that data set and do more analysis hotspot etc uh hubs and highways conservation data precipitation uh tree cover you name it down the list there those data sets, those data sets were all created separately. How? I mean, by separate organizations, by separate uh, USGS scientists, conservation organizations, et cetera. How on earth does this independent Bigfoot data set somehow correlate and make sense with all of those separate data sets that are, that are conservation or ecological or wildlife data sets, environmental data sets, that these people made these data sets without any intent of proving my hypothesis i'm bringing that into the to the study into the project and it makes sense it makes sense so yeah I, the more i see and gather data like that and and study and analyze the database it it just starts to make more and more sense and it's it's hard to refute that because when you look at it they just fit together very well of course there's things that don't make sense but on the overarching, you know, uh, analysis or the overarching pattern or whatever you want to call it, the it, it just fundamentally matches with what you would expect to see a creature or a living animal uh, behave like and live and 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 just makes sense. I'm a believer. Be just because of um, the data I've. I'm lucky enough to be able to have access to and, and bring into the project. The Black Cat Report is sponsored by listeners like you, and we always love to hear your stories and ideas. Please keep the ideas coming to our email contact at blackcat.report. And as always, thank you for keeping your ears open and your eyes peeled for everything Black Cat related. Let's get back to mapping out our Bigfoot trails.
the gap exists enough that common speculation fills in the blanks to <laughs> build a narrative. Um, that that's that's what I'm picking up as a fellow data nerd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I'm picking up uh, around it. Is like um, you know there is a point in data, and when you're just staring at rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of spreadsheets you're looking at the data you're looking at the numbers and you're just like okay this this mm -hmm. is the closest thing to a truth that exists with <laughs> you what you, yeah with what you have available absolutely yes 17 18 ten thousand variations but you're all like it all starts with this and ends with this and da, 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 da. you're able to sit there in a meeting um for a profession for a career and for the profit of a business that hires you, you're able to sit there and you're able to say this equals this. Right, right. Th this is this. And at a certain point in data collection, um, even with something um, to uh, in, in no disregard for for Bigfoot, but even something as anomalous as Bigfoot, um, the data comes together and you're like, well, fuck. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm looking at this. I, I'm, I, I've vetted this. I've done this. I've done that. Da, da, right. da, da, da. This is enough that it's helped me in every other facet of my life. This is enough that other businesses have um, benefited from my analysis. This is enough that people have grown. They've, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, I'm looking at the same type of data. I've scrutinized it the same way. And dear God. <laughs> where do i argue with this you know and at a certain point it, it it hits that check mark where you're like well shit we have to deal with this yeah yeah and and it, like what i was trying to say before is like at a high level the bulk of the data set correlates and makes yeah. sense to you know these disparate data sets that i've made maps with of course if i want to focus on that one sighting that's somebody you know, had in Miami, I could probably disprove it. Right. Yeah. But can I do that for 8,000 sightings total? And then you're the 4,500, 5,000 that makes sense, or even more, probably 60, 70% that makes sense at that. Like you're saying at that point, you cross that threshold and you're like, Oh wait, this is just too much to be uh, yeah. an anomaly to be a fluke. Uh, yeah, it really is. And then you throw yourself into the gray with that, where you're like, my own experience, right? My my own uh, confusion, my own uh, terminology, my own way that I uh, uh, wrote it down, that I remember it, that da 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 da. And then now you have to compare your own experience, your own stuff, to yeah. everybody else, and then use that as a grading scale. And you're like, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah well you're exactly right it's yeah. like, how can i sit here and say that this story this person's making it? like if you met me on the street and i told you that story you'd be like this guy i don't know um mm -hmm. he's a little out there you know but uh mm. being able to discuss this for you with you guys for you know a couple hours <laughs> uh you can start to see you know the, the thought that i've put into it and then and then to hear that experience you know hopefully it comes across as it does uh, i'm not some you know uh out there kind of person that just wants the mm. attention right so um this is a this is a passion project and uh i really try and keep it uh factual 
and uh, unbiased. Even though I've had that sighting, I really still don't impose uh, that opinion upon uh, any of the analysis I do. It's pretty, you'll notice when I post things, I, I, I highlight some insights, but I really don't tell people what to think about the maps. No. I really, really try and keep that out of my descriptions. Um, I do ask them what they think, but I yeah. really don't try and tell people what to think from the maps. A map should uh, help you come to your own opinion. And if it doesn't do that, it's either not structured correctly or it, it doesn't have a message to send, right? So um, maps are really good tools for that, for communicating uh, a data set or a pattern or, or uh, helping people get to a certain insight. They're, they're incredible for that. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'd like to think, um, if anything, you know, there's the initial self-interest of like, what happened in my neighborhood? You know, you're zooming yeah. in, you're zooming in, you're zooming in, you're finding streets, you know, the names of that you drive down every day and so on and so forth. And then, um, and then from there you start to zoom out. Right? Yeah. I've had you people start... plan their vacations using the app. I kid you not. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> they messaged me like, Yo, man, cool. didn't think I'd ever go to such and such a place, but I spent a week there and I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like I never thought yeah. have, have that impact on yeah. people's lives where they're like, looked at your app and saw a cluster here. And, you know, it took a week off of work and just went and camped and loved it. I'm like, that is super cool. Glad you did that. Like, yeah. Tell me all about it. Like, so that's yeah, people so are cool. I, I, that's one thing I haven't touched on and I'd be remiss if I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Please. the community of uh, the, the people that consistently reach out and support the project. Um, I've got to say, um, there's one guy in particular that is beyond supportive. His name is Victor Cassiano. I'll shout him out. Uh, all right. All right. Huge supporter, uh, really encouraging, great guy. And, um, there's oh, so yeah. many other people that have been just encouraging and uh, you, you would have thought like it's easy to kind of uh, criticize somebody doing a, a project like this, but overwhelming support, overwhelming interest, even at work. I, I, I work in a, most people at the organization I work with or work for have uh, they're, they're, they're like geophysicists, they're, they're PhDs, they're master's level educated. And you would think that they'd be, pretty skeptical and pretty like mm. they wouldn't really accept what's going on in you know my mm. my for my hobby <laughs> and they're mm. also very they're very interested they look at it from That's an so analytical cool. point of view they're very supportive from the technology side so um i think there's a little bit of something for everybody and uh hopefully it encourages people to get out and explore and yes. um the more people that are out even if it's a byproduct the more people that are out exploring the more chances there are for more sightings and to gather more data. So selfishly, I hope people <laughs> are encouraged to explore because maybe I could benefit from, you know, a few reports if, mm. if more people get out there. So, uh, you know, Lord forbid to go out and have a good time. Or yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's no harm in that either. Get out. This might encourage people to go to the state park that's down the road that they never even knew was there, right? Holy like, shit. So uh, it's I've discovered a lot of new places that I never would have thought just by virtue of looking at the newest reports or talking to people. Uh, there's a lot of interesting places in the U.S. that I never like flyover country, right? Like that's just yeah. not 
it's not a notor a, a place with a lot of notoriety for whatever reason. But when you you get down to that level, and I I do more analysis than what I post, but like mm-hmm. if I start to zoom around an area, read about the history of the you know, when how long has the state park been there, or how many people live in that county, et cetera, I really start to un- get a good picture of what's going on and. I'm like, man, that's a new place I want to visit. I just want to go van life a hundred percent and <laughs> do Bigfoot all the time because it seems like it, it's it would be a great life to go explore and really investigate these these new reports, right? And go verify yeah. and ground truth them and just say, yeah, okay, this is this is what happened here. Uh, it happened a day ago or two days ago. Let's go see what we can find. Do there's it, it would be a fun, fun, fun life, right? Too bad yeah. bills exist. God, yeah. Damn I mean, those bills. Honestly, you know? everything. <laughs> Sounds like it would be a great TV show to do that to. Oh, yeah. Like They'd literally have to find, on the ground, you know. I don't know how I'd feel in front of a camera. They might have to find somebody. I'll, I'll happily advise. So I guess let's 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 go a little farther on this, right? Oh, so, boy. Okay. Let's, you know, let's see how far we can go on this. So you <laughs> think, so, you know. We're talking about the data, you know, the, mm-hmm. the specific data behind it. And that's like your, you know, your wheelhouse and everything. So mm-hmm. let's see. D- there have been reports and in, in things like interdimensional Bigfoots and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so what do you think about that? Do you think that there's some kind of, you know, because people don't really see them or like, heck, when you take a video of them and like all the videos you see of them, even with these 4K cameras that most people have on their phones and su- are all super blurry or can't get any any good pictures of them or video. So what do you think is the cause of that? I think it's a compound issue, complicated issue, right? I do think, mm-hmm. um, first off, you touched on the uh, interdimensional kind of woo factor. Um and uh, I think people jump to that explanation uh, when there are perhaps more logical explanations available first. Um, so like the blurry videos, um, if you take a video of anything with your cell phone camera at a hundred yards, it's going to be blurry. Even if you zoom in, you know, maybe yeah. not with those new Samsung, whatever, or uh, super zoom product, product of the day, Samsung day. super zoom phone. When you really need an unblurry Bigfoot video, Pull out your Samsung Super Zoom because your friends won't believe it otherwise. Product of the day. So <laughs> I think it's um, not everyone's a videographer, not everyone's a photographer, even though we all own cameras on our phones. So I think that's part of it is uh, it's easy to say and recognize everyone has the necessary technology to capture those images, but we're not all experts. I'm not an expert on my phone camera. Uh, if you told me to capture a crisp video using my phone of something that's running or moving or far away and I'm nervous, I'm shaking, I'm going to have a blurry video. I can't even get a picture of sometimes of something close up, like a little bug I want to take a picture of. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, just to for argument's sake, it's hard. It's so fair, like, dude. That's so, so I think it's uh, even though, uh, I can't say for a hundred percent fact that there's no interdimensional Bigfoot. I think um, from my personal perspective that it's um, it is a technological limitation of, 
the the lens for example the focal length of, of you're going to get blur and in, introduced at something that's far away unless you have the correct equipment and know how to use it um now on the trail camera stuff this comes up all the time and i'm really glad you brought this up uh trail cameras are i just had this happen to me i had uh, i have something called a licking stick out there it's a Hodag licking stick. It's the coolest thing for deer. <laughs> and uh, it's a little coil spring that you put in the ground and it attracts. You can inventory the bucks out there or the deer that come by and lick the tree and, and rub on it. I had something break break that uh, tree in half, right? Likely a buck coming and just oh. twisting it correct way. Didn't ca- I have a trail camera 20 feet away. It should have caught it. Mm-hmm. Nothing was captured. So um were my settings correct on my trail camera my sensitivity was set to low so it could have been there what's my trigger speed Hmm. people always talk about trail cameras and why haven't we captured an image of a bigfoot on a trail camera they're everywhere well uh trail cameras are only as far as the hunter wants to walk in and put them Uh, they're only (laughs) you know what i mean they're only there as they're only active as long as the batteries are alive they're the then you've got the settings then you've got um i mean animals are smart enough to recognize something that's that that is human made um Mm -hmm. so deer will i've had deer see a camera nice deer too i wish they would come back but i've had them see (laughs) i had them spot a game cam uh once and that's the only time i've ever seen that deer never again so um they pattern us just like we pattern are trying to pattern them so uh, i think there's i'm really happy to be able to talk about trail cameras because I just, yes, there's thousands out there, but they don't, they're just not, uh, what's the word? They're just not everywhere. They're just not, they don't cover Mm -hmm. everywhere. There's angles they cover. They don't always take pictures. They're not reliable. Uh, It's, it's, yes, we have way more trail cameras, way more possibility of capturing something, but they, Mm -hmm. they're not ubiquitous and they're not infallible, um, just like your cell, cell phone cameras. So uh, I think yeah. those two factors really influence people's opinions to lean towards uh, more of a woo factor when mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. very logical mm-hmm. technological limitations that uh, or failing equipment or equipment that's not set up correctly. It, it matters how you set up your trail camera, it, it, whether you get a trigger or not. So uh, if you can't pick up my opinion, um, uh, I'm skeptical of the woo factor. I like to approach, uh, the study of Bigfoot from known creatures mm-hmm. and capabilities of animals and characteristics. And if there's, if the data starts to go that way and there's factual reports and evidence that lends, I'm sure I'll, I'll start to accept that because that's what the data will tell me. But right now, um, I don't really see that as a, a valid um, explanation for uh, the observations people are having. And it, I'm trying to be as polite as possible because people can be, I certainly <laughs> believe what you want to believe. I have no, no, uh, no interest in deflating somebody's beliefs or, or, or uh, refuting them. But from my own personal perspective, based on everything I've experienced and read and mapped and studied and analyzed um i think there are explanations that are closer to reality and logical than jumping straight to that um immediately 
So I think that's, that's a safe way and, and honest way to answer that question. Right. Well, Scott, holy shit. You've delivered, um, more tonight than I could have expected. And I have great. Obs- I'm happy to hear that. Dude. I have obsessively <laughs> studied as a fellow data nerd. I've obsessively studied your website, your account, what you've been producing and you have over delivered on all of that. And I know as a fellow it. data nerd, that's the best compliment you could get. I, um, <laughs> I do. Uh, if, I, if I have a chance, I, if I have a chance, I would like to turn the mic around on the three of you really quickly oh, fuck. and ask if you've had any Bigfoot experiences or what you think about Bigfoot. We haven't touched on any of that from the three hosts who are asking me. <laughs> So oh. I'd love to I'd love to hear your opinions. Yeah. I don't have any experiences with Bigfoot, but I do believe that he is probably out there. Like there's there's just too much too many sightings, I think, hmm. for me to believe that it's not out there. And that's it. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> Hopefully part of your opinion has been influenced by our, this interview tonight. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. With the map and everything, of course. Dude, I, I will I will say as a, um, and I knew what I was getting into, you know, like interviewing you, seeing your GIS data, like all of that other stuff. I knew you were a data nerd. I knew you were close to my heart. You know, like all of us data nerds, we stick together. You know, like, that's because we don't have any other friends. That's just the way it it's is. 100% <laughs> true. We all have Selena as a friend, and that is it. And, um, but like, um, I, I'm literally going to sell, the, I'm going to, I'm going to build this show as like, if you don't believe in Bigfoot, you will after this. Because, oh, so. like, if anybody in the data community, right, and the people that are getting the uh, TLDR, like uh, news, like uh, um, newspapers that are coming in to their like to their email box at five a.m. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. If uh, if they can listen to this in its entirety and not give credibility to Bigfoot, um, get the fuck out of the field. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, because I, I I give mad respect. GTFO. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and um my my feelings around bigfoot they they go back to and this goes back to my my uh my familial roots right the to to what i was raised to respect and we didn't even touch on this um god damn if you if you want to dig into the roots of bigfoot into the history and to the culture and stuff around it uh let's talk about totem poles let's mm-hmm. talk about uh the midwest and the far west and the pacific northwest where um the only quote unquote mythological creature on a 25 foot tall totem pole or uh um a totem pole is bigfoot 25 feet tall every other animal on there it's got a bear you got an eagle you got a salmon you got a raccoon you know and then all of a sudden you have bigfoot and it's the mm-hmm. only one on there that uh has any type of contention around it right um why (laughs) you know why does one goddamn animal from a people who who know the forest like you know primetime entertainment what is one animal on there 
have a contention around it? Why is it up for grabs? Why is it a question? Um, and I'm just gonna say, white people don't have the best history in uh, in North America. So I'm gonna throw Fair my point. favoritism. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, totally my own bias, but I'm gonna throw my favoritism towards folks that live here, towards folks that know it, towards folks that know everything about it. Um, uh, yeah, man. Uh, never experienced Bigfoot would would love to and i know i'd be horrified afterwards um experiencing bigfoot um i would i would absolutely love to uh just have another thing to add to my palette in life of things that scared the shit out of me so personally uh i think that there it's just another species you know of of animal that we just don't see that hides you know away from us more you know don't know if they're highly intelligent, but know that they're intelligent enough to stay away from humans that pretty much used to kill everything that they see. Um, probably has a huge uh, background in dealing with it because maybe in the beginnings when, you know, since they are on totem poles, maybe they were start, they were a lot more around at that time. And once, you know, Europeans came over and they started going, oh, that's a big thing. We need to kill it. You know, like, it could have been one of those things where like, oh, now we should probably hide, you know, kind of like the cavemen in the old days were like, oh, we're not going to sit here with the cell phone and videotape this saber-toothed tiger. Exactly. We're going to run from the danger, <laughs> you know, just going full circle there. Right. Um, so I do think that they're existing from, you know, just seeing data, seeing pretty much everything that, you know, all everyone that, you you know, you've worked with and from everything that you've seen. And for me talking to you, I do believe that there is some something there, you know, that there's some kind of animal that we maybe hasn't evolved as much as we have, or just, you know, maybe it was people before, you know, it was maybe a certain sect of people that just went into caves somewhere and just never came out for like thousands of years, who knows, but there definitely is something there for me to see, um, for this. So I do believe in it. Um, as well thank you so much for coming on and and talking about your your experience as well because i know that's not always easy to talk about especially because you're coming from the data side of it you know um, yeah it's uh to be like wow it's hard to share that story and uh because people are like oh you, you know it's an anecdotal story but here i am talking about the value of facts right and and attributes etc and the the value of clean data and um so I, I actually, I think it's a good thing that that happened because it kind of informs me what it's like to be on the other side of the project um, and, and under, be understanding and realize how hard it is to talk about or report accurately. And I can react to that accordingly. So um, I would like to say thank you to all of you for having me and finding me and inviting me. It's a privilege to be here and a pleasure. So uh, thank you. It's been a great conversation. And if I may, I'll plug the website uh, yes, a little bit and tell people uh, where to find it. It's um, www.bigfootmap.com. And everything on the website and in the maps uh, is available for free. There's It's certainly not a, uh, it is a passion project. It's not out there to be a, um, like a disingenuous type of, of uh, adventure or anything like that. It's It really is to it's out there to further the subject. Um, the app is called Bigfoot Map, all one word. 
It's on Android and iOS. And uh, it is an interactive map where you can report your sightings. And um, I will say a little, a little uh, tool tip, if you will, about the app. Um, one cool thing that you can't do on the website very well, but you can do in the app is uh, inject your GPS location into the app on the phone. So you can see yourself as a little blue dot on the map. It's a little crosshair <laughs> icon. Uh, check it out. A lot of people overlook that. So um, I think it's pretty cool because you then you can really reference where you are and what's going on around you. And um, I do want to say thank you to everyone that supported the project. And on a, a note to close, if you have any ideas or crit constructive criticism, yeah. uh, please reach out and email me. My email is scott at bigfootmap.com. And I will always do my best to reply. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening to the Black Cat Report and our interview with Scott Tompkins, creator of the Bigfoot Mapping Project. Remember to hit that like and subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. We are so excited to bring you weekly podcasts and can't do it without your listens, so please keep supporting us. Also, reach out to us for Black Cat Report stickers. And as always, we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>